This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. My name is Doug Parker. A review of Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas today. This was a quick sailing out of Port Miami. Mark is on the line with that a little later on in the show. But first, staff writer Rich. Richard Sims is here to get us caught up on cruise news. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So you don't often get a second chance on a unique sailing. That's very, very, very true. What happens here was that Carnival announced that they'd be doing a 14-day sailing out of Baltimore on the Carnival Legend. And what made this sailing kind of cool was that they were going to go to Greenland. And they haven't been to Greenland in like a decade Uh, apparently like 24 hours after they announced this sailing, it sold out. So being the smart people that they are, they said, yeah, no, maybe we should uh, plan another one of these. So they immediately turned around. There's another carnival legend sailing out of Baltimore, same basic deal, going to Greenland. It's stopping in several ports that I'm not even going to try and name as well as ports in Newfoundland and in Nova Scotia. What's kind of funny here is that the sailing that they just announced is actually going to be sailing before the one that originally sold out. That one is sailing in, the one that sold out first is sailing in September of 2023, and this one is sailing in August of 2023. We're seeing a lot of sort of really far out sailings, and I don't mean far out as in trippy, I mean far out as in 2023, even late into 2023. This is something that they talked about during their earnings call. It's one of the things that they're doing to try and, you know, get more money in the coffers and get more advanced deposits, which, you know, they then get to put in the bank and earn interest on. Usually you wouldn't see necessarily late 2023 itineraries released this early, but they're even talking about in the next little bit rolling out some of 2024's itineraries because they really want to get not only people excited, but they want people who are thinking long term to book something and, you know, sort of be begin locking those deposits in. And it looks like Royal Caribbean is bringing back the key. So the key, which is a strange name for the program, but it's basically um, a way to buy perks that you haven't earned through the loyalty program. So let's say, you know, maybe it's your first time on a Royal Caribbean ship. And so you don't have a lot of perks and you want to buy them. The key is a program which actually allows you to do that. And of course, they had sort of discontinued it for a while. Now, the Royal Caribbean blog reports that it's back at least on one ship. And that's the next sailing of Symphony of the Seas. There's no way of knowing really yet whether this is something that's going to be extended to other ships or to um, you know, uh, other other dates, but right now it's on that ship. And one of the readers of that blog got an email telling them basically what you get for this. Now, it usually costs about $29.95 per person, and everybody in the room who is over the age of six has to buy it. And, you know, you get some decent perks with this. Like, for example, if you bring your carry-on luggage with you, but you don't want to lug it around the ship, you can drop it off in the main dining room, and they'll deliver it to your room by 2 o'clock. They used to, part of this used to be that you, on embarkation day, you got, a, a, you know, you got to a nice lunch. And they've discontinued that, but instead they're giving you complimentary room service for your entire cruise as well as 25% any you know if you if you go to say Wonderland or one of the other specialty restaurants on board you get a 25% off on that 
they give you, um, like if you want to go on the rock climbing wall, there are certain times when it is only available to people who have bought this package. They, they sort of give you priority embarkation, but the way it works is, as with all cruise lines right now, you still have to pick a time. So let's say you pick 2.30 to be your arrival time. You get priority embarkation, but only among people who have also booked for 2.30. It's not like if you have a 2.30 mm. embarkation, you get priority boarding at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. You get priority embarkation for that window that you have already booked. And the other thing they give you is as you're leaving, you know, they don't just wave goodbye to you. They give you a, what they're calling a grab and go bag that has some like goodies for your trip home. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting program. It's sort of a more elaborate version of carnivals faster to the fun, which is really mostly just, you know, you get on the ship faster and you get to start drinking quicker. This is sort of a more elaborate version of that. And it is something that they charge for, like I said, per person per day. So it's not, Cheap. All through the shutdown, we kept hearing about shipyard delays and closures, but it looks like they're back open and thriving. That's largely due to the fact that, you know, there are so many ships that need to be gotten ready so that they can return to sailing. So there's a lot of like basic dry docks going on. And Novotnia's shipyard in Cadiz, Spain is incredibly busy. You know, that's a great example. So right now, They've had, you know, over the last couple months or so, after the, let's say over the last month, they've had eight different ships there going through various types of dry dock. They had the Azamara Journey and Pursuit, and part of their makeover was they got the new livery with the new logo and all that for the company. Royal Caribbean had Radiance and Enchantment of the Sea there, and they were both go undergoing, you know, kind of basic dry docks. But this is where it gets a little more exciting. So there's four carnival ships there, Paradise, Sunshine, Liberty, and the one that's going to receive the most attention, which is Radiance. So the other ships are all there for like, you know, basic dry dock or whatever. But Radiance is getting a $200 million makeover that will basically transform it because Radiance used to be Carnival Victory. And when it comes out, it's going to have a new name. It'll have all the new, you know, uh, fun ship features. This is basically the exact same thing they did a few years ago when they turned Carnival Triumph was morphed into the Carnival Sunrise. So, you know, they get sort of all the publicity you get for a new ship, even though what you're really doing is just bumping $200 million into an older ship and making it look shiny and new. And Virgin Voyage's Scarlet Lady finally has passengers on board. Where is this cruise going to? She is on her first cruise, and it's out of Miami going to Nassau and, of course, the Beach Club at Bimini, because all of their sailings out of Miami are going to the Beach Club at Bimini. It's called a fire and sunset soiree because they don't have just regular sailings. Everything they do has, like, you know, cool names like Mayan Soul or fire and sunset soirees. This one is, you know, for an inside cabin, it's going to cost you about $1,300, and that's $1,300 for the cabin, not per person. That's like if you have two people in the cabin, it's $1,300 total, which, you know, you and I were talking about it before. And, and while $1,300 seems like a lot for four nights, when you split that between two people and look at all the things that are included, including, you know, all the restaurants, they don't have specialty restaurants, all the restaurants are included. You get free Wi-Fi, your tips are included. That's not a bad price at all, especially for, you know, the first sailing of a brand new cruise ship. If I was down there, I'd probably try and jump on that myself. Hell, I just paid double that for a four-nighter on Disney. Yeah, so yeah, that's a definitely a good deal. Of course, you know, let's face facts, D Disney Cruise is sort of a different elevated experience. But then again, Virgin is in its own way also an elevated experience. So, you know, it'd be interesting to go and kind of compare them both. It's been about a year since we heard a good, you can buy a room on a cruise ship story. 
<laughs> well, apparently, rooms on the new Storylines ship, which is supposed to start uh, sailing sometime in 2023, are they have so much demand for bigger rooms than what they have available that they're actually scratching some of the plans for smaller staterooms and expanding them into like, you know, two bedrooms and three bedrooms. And they have an $8 million suite on this thing. Um it's also, it's worth noting that the way it's going to work is once you buy, let's say you buy a $400,000 balcony uh, stateroom, essentially, which you're going to live in, you also then are charged $50,000 per couple per year. That's your annual fee to cover, you know, the meals and anything else that is uh, that happens to be on the ship. The itineraries, it's going to do sort of a, a circumnavigation of the globe that takes about three years. They want to, some of the ports they're going to spend four or five days in, you know, they really want to be able to give you time to get off the ship and go explore and, you know, have dinner in the city and stay overnight if you want. Uh, the company's CEO said on Fox Business that they're seeing a real influx of people right now because people who maybe pre-pandemic couldn't have even thought about doing this now realize, hey, if I can work from home, I can work from a cruise ship. So they're sort of like looking at this as an option, I guess. And enough of them are doing it that they're making room for more families and people who want to live in bigger spaces. You know, I mean, it's a great idea, and I have seen his interviews like on Fox Business and CNBC, but I haven't yet seen the ship. No, all I've seen is renderings, and while they are beautiful renderings, I mean, I, I don't want to be that guy, you know, I don't want to be the skeptic, but we have seen these things before. You know, we have seen these big projects that are going to be big living communities. What was the one last year that was going to be, you know, the, the, the tech kids were all going to live on this ship, and, and it was going to be this amazing community, and it fell apart. It never even got off the ground. And they actually had a ship. They weren't building one. They bought a ship. So uh, I'm, I'm, while I may not want to be that guy, I am that guy. I'm a little skeptical. If I'm draining my 401k to do this, um, I want to see at least a piece <laughs> of steel in the shipyard. I agree. I agree. But you know what? If you go on YouTube, they have on their Storylines channel, they actually have videos of people. It's like, you know, meet your neighbors. And these are people who have supposedly signed up and bought rooms. So either those people are very smart and they're getting in on the ground floor of, you know, something that's going to be really exciting. Or those are people who we're going to see filing lawsuits in the future. Listener question comes from Kelly. What's the best cruise to take if I've never been on one before to see if I even like it? Anything that's like a two or three day sailing. You know, right now, a lot of the cruise lines are doing shorter sailings. Princess has some three and four day sailings out of California. Virgin, all of Virgin sailings are like four and five days. Although I don't know if I would recommend Virgin as your very first cruise because it's so different from typical cruises. But I would try and find something that's relatively short. You know, I remember when I first got interested in cruising, that was back when they had cruises to nowhere. And I had booked myself for a week on the Norwegian breakaway, but I was very nervous about it. And I found out that they had an overnight trip on the gem. So I booked it and it was, you know, it was a great way to find out, would I get seasick <laughs> for one thing? I was very worried about that. You know, would I just find the whole experience exciting? Obviously I did. And obviously I've never looked back, but 
while we don't currently have cruises to nowhere, you can find short cruises. And I think that would be the thing that I would do is, is rather than, you know, put myself on a ship for a week, find something for a couple of days. I want to ask you, because you were an adult when you took your first cruise, I was a kid. So you walked across the gangway. For me, it was like, oh my gosh, this thing is amazing. It's huge. I'm like, I'm inside a mall. And it was like carnival fantasy. What was going through your mind as an adult crossing the gangway? I was thrilled beyond belief. I mean, it, it just, it was something that I hadn't necessarily thought of doing all my life, but as soon as I did it, it was like, why haven't I been doing this all my life? It just, it was, you know, I love hotels. I love gambling. I love Vegas. I love Atlantic city. And this was all that on the ocean, which I love with restaurants and bars. And it, it like, I I've said this before when I came home and I, I told my best friend how amazing a time it was. And he looked at me and he said, it was eating, drinking, and gambling. What did you think you weren't going to like about that? So, yeah, I was totally on board immediately. Very nice. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thank you, my friend. Always. Thanks, Doug. Have a question for the experts, or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You have questions. We have answers. Get the whole story on cruiseradio.net. Over the summer, Mark took a cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas, and he's on the line now to talk all about it. Hey, Mark. Hey, how are you, Doug? Good, man. It's been a long time, huh? Tell me about it. Since, uh, <laughs> the sailing on Symphony, and then the whole world went into meltdown. Yeah, yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy. So we're going to jump right to the review here. And now before we get to the ship itself, we always like to take a step back and give us some pre-cruise thoughts. First off, what made you want to sail this four-night cruise on Freedom of the Seas? Well, we got to go back to about the October-November time frame. My son uh, became as addicted to cruising as I was mm -hmm. after our sailing on Symphony of the Seas. So we linked up with a luxury travel agency down in the Hollywood, Florida area called Go Luxury Cruisers. And with them, uh, we're now beginning, we've got a whole list of cruises on various lines that we are going to be taking. And one of the things we decided to do was book a February 2021 sailing on the Navigator of the Seas, just a short three-night sailing, Miami, Nassau, perfect day. Well, February came and went, so we pushed it to March. March came and went, and then we pushed it to July. And then in June, the ship got reassigned, and we thought the sailing was canceled. And what had happened was Royal Caribbean moved Navigator of the Seas out of the Caribbean rotation to go to the West Coast to do the new uh, Mexican Riviera cruises. So they took the Freedom of the Seas, which I believe would have been in San Juan, moved it to Miami to do the sailings in place of Navigator of the Seas. 
So that is in a really long-winded way how we came to pick our sailing. And as good fortune would have it, we were one of the first sailings after the test cruise. You live up in the Ohio area. You had to make your way down to Port Miami. Do any pre-cruise time down here in Florida? We sure did. We flew down uh, two days prior. Uh, American Airlines, kudos to them. Fantastic job. Has a nonstop flight from Cleveland to Miami. So on Saturday morning, we flew down, hired a lift out of Miami to get to the Courtyard Marriott. We stayed in the Marriott right in downtown Miami. And Courtyard was great. Uh, we did something I've never done before ever, and that was rent those lime scooters. Now, mm-hmm. I'm a 51-year-old guy, <laughs> I'm not the smallest man on the planet, and I'm, ri- I'm having the time of my life riding these electronic scooters that go about 12 to 13 miles an hour down the Miami streets, around that little park, Biscayne Bay, I think is what it's called. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, had a great time, had uh, Peruvian food of all things. That's not something I've ever experienced. Uh, There was a great little restaurant right around the corner, plus the Whole Foods. And then as a treat to my son, I went, I flew down with my son who turned 22 and his best friend, Nathan. And I took the three of us to this fantastic Italian restaurant called Forte de Marmi in South Beach, which is right across from the Marriott Stanton. Now, when I went on the sailing with the symphony a couple of years ago, we stayed at the Stanton. So I saw the place and they have a fantastic Sunday brunch. And so I treated the boys to a delicious meal there. And then Monday was when we boarded the ship. Sounds like you had a nice time on the scooters there. So you make your way to Port Miami. How was the embarkation process and how did it differ from your last cruise? Right. Well, take what you knew in the pre-pandemic world and throw it out the window. When they give you a time of boarding, they really mean it. Uh, we had a 1.30 p.m. boarding time. That was the earliest that we could get. Well, that boarding time is strictly enforced. And a lot of people must not have gotten the memo about that because there was a line of people that were denied entry into the terminal building until it hit their particular time. Well, the person guarding the front asked what our time was. We showed him and said, come on in. And it took about, I say, a half an hour from when we got to the port to when we boarded the ship, because you have to go through all these stages now where they take photocopies of your passport and mm. your picture and the COVID vaccination card. And, and you, you just, you have to wait, wait your turn because it's a rather cumbersome process. Maybe they're just working the kinks out to, to get it to where you need to be. So mm-hmm. it took a little longer than what I would have liked because the first go around, we were on the ship in less than 10 in about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, once we got through security, Then we marched on board the ship, and it was like we picked up right where we left off. One thing they do differently is we were asked to go straight into the main dining room for e-muster. And what they do is they take people in groups of two or three, and they show you how to use the life jacket, how to put it on, and that's it. And from there, we could go straight to our cabin. Does Royal have any kind of contact tracing band you have to wear? No, you know, I I was thinking about that. We didn't. The only thing we had was because we were vaccinated, we had to wear a, I think it was a purple colored armband. And that alerted everyone on board that these were vaccinated folks and they could go into all of the areas. Uh, because it was, it was, it reminded me a little bit of, you know, the story of the Sneetches, the star belly Sneetches mm-hmm. uh, that had bellies with stars while the plain belly had none upon ours. Mm-hmm. I felt like a star bellied Sneetch because I could go <laughs> essentially anywhere on right. the ship I wanted to in the public areas. This is your first time sailing a Freedom class ship. So what were your impressions walking on board? Well, the one thing I would have liked was 
when you board the ship, you go on the on the promenade or the, the the jogging track, and you have to make a left turn before you enter into the ship. On the Oasis class ships, when you board, you go straight into the Royal Promenade. Mm-hmm. So I missed that, but that's such a small detail. The promenade is gorgeous, 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 and they have mood lighting in there, so they change it. It looked like a giant aquarium at nighttime because of the soft turquoise blue lights high up in the ceiling. The ship, beautifully maintained. What can I say? Royal does a fantastic job on their ships, and the dining room is, I think, one of the most stunning out there. It's a very, very impressive main dining room with uh, three levels, just like on uh, an Oasis-class ship. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book? What did you think of it? And were there any kind of different protocols? We had a balcony stateroom. We were on the sixth floor overlooking the stern of the ship, so we had a beautiful wake view. Our cabin was smaller than what I was used to, but it made up for it with an enormous balcony. I think the balcony and square footage was just about the size of our stateroom itself. Nice. So it, we, yeah, so we didn't have that, um, oh, what do you call it, that, that couch that they usually have mm-hmm. right next to the bed. So it was more compact, and since there were three of us in our stateroom, they had to drop the Pullman bed from the ceiling. So we hit our heads a few times on that thing. Bathroom was smaller than what I remembered the symphony's bathroom was like. So that was a little less pleasant. Also, the air conditioning wasn't as strong as we would have liked it to be. We like it to where you can air condition the ice cubes. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it wasn't quite that cool. We even had maintenance come to try to see what they could do to help. And it made a marginal difference, but not not as good as we would have liked. Also, I noticed that the room had a slightly musty smell to it. I'm guessing it's because the ship had been out of service for a year and a half and that it would dissipate as more people started opening doors and and the ship started going on more sailings and things like that. Otherwise, no complaints at all. The ship was beautiful. Cabin was beautiful. The service on the ship could not have been more attentive. In fact, I thought it was more attentive on this sailing than it was on Symphony of the Seas. They didn't throw you in the top bunk, did they? No, 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 okay. no, 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 that's what the boys had to, the boys had to take turns gotcha. on the top bunk. <laughs> nice. Let, let's talk about dining on board Freedom of the Seas, and we'll start in the, in the buffet area, because that's been a big thing as cruise ships restart yep. in this environment. Yep. Um, how was the buffet yep. situation? The Windjammer on Freedom is better than the Windjammer on Symphony of the Seas. First of all, kudos to Royal for having the staff serve the guests. Instead of people using the five-finger tongs to grab food and place right on their plates or sample and put back, no, Mm -hmm. the staff serve you. And they only had the Windjammer open for breakfast and lunch. I mean, the ship was at 25% capacity, so uh, there was no reason to open for the dinner time if you risk wasting food and they only needed half the stations open i did miss the on the embarkation day paella that they had on symphony it wasn't there that time so that was that was a small disappointment but the food quality on the windjammer was even better than what it was like on symphony of the seas that was my take. So we ate in the Windjammer every day for breakfast okay. uh, and, of course, lunch on embarkation day. And then how was the main dining room for dinners? Main dining room. Sir, I shout out to Sergey, one of the waiters. Sergey's from Ukraine. He is very, very attentive, very polite waiter. Recommend him highly. It was the same rotating menu that we had going back to late 2019. So I recognized everything. We only ate at the main dining room the first night and the last night. Unlike the symphony sailing, we got a dining package this time. So we sampled all of the specialty restaurants. Nice. So let's talk about the specialty restaurants. And what we'll do is uh, just give us the give us the first one and move right along. 
You got it. The second day after we sailed out was uh, Sea Day, and we had lunch at Izumi. And we stayed at the Tapanyaki. And just like any good Tapanyaki restaurant, the corniest jokes ever came <laughs> from the <laughs> from the chef. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the lobster was from Maine that they served, <laughs> and by Maine he meant the main dining room. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was <laughs> yeah, that was one of his jokes. Uh, but um, he was a great Tapanyaki chef. So food was high quality. Uh, staff was really attentive. I should add that Isumi was vaccinated guests only. And I think Mm -hmm. it's just because it's a small facility and you're sitting close by. Mm -hmm. I think that's why they they had to restrict it, at least at that uh, back then. You can't sell at the present uh, unvaccinated on Royal. Uh, But um, that's something that they had to they had to put in place. But Isumi was great. That's that's a lot of fun. Like if you're going to Azumi for lunch or Azumi for dinner, are the credits uh-huh. the same as far as you get one specialty restaurant there? Yeah, we bought a two uh, a two day package mm-hmm. since it was the guy told us, hey, look, if you want to eat Azumi, get the two day package and eat in Azumi at lunch because you're going to get a discount and it's less expensive than if you buy the three the three meal package. So okay. that's what we did. And what was the second restaurant you went to that evening? The one I have been waiting to go to since I saw it on Symphony of the Season. That's Chops Grill. Nice. First of all, I love the ambiance when you go in there, you know, the paneled walls, the wood, the hushed tone. It has a really nice, formal, genteel effect about its place. And uh, they had one of the best ribeyes I've ever had. The only downside was my son ordered the lobster bisque and it was a little off. And even the chef came out and apologized profusely. But other than that, the quality of everything else was delicious. They even came out and sang happy birthday to my son. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, aside from the aside from the, the lobster bisque, chops was exactly what I hoped it would be and more. Now, lobster bisque was a little off. Does that mean it was cold or? No, it was a little too fishy. Okay. Uh, apparently, they boil, um, they, they make uh, the stock using assorted other seafood. Like, I'm guessing they use shells and mm-hmm. other parts of fish and whatnot to make the fish stock. And lobster bisque should taste like lobster, not uh, concentrated seawater. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a bit of a letdown. That was the only blemish on what was a stellar evening. Now, any other dining, um, maybe like Johnny Rockets or anything by the pool or venues like that? Um, the boys got themselves a cookies and cream milkshake from Johnny Rockets. Uh, I wasn't too keen to go into Johnny Rockets. We went by the, oh, what is the name of the Mexican place? Sabora? Uh, right Is it there Sabora? by the pool. Is it called Sabor on that one, or is it a different one? No, it's not Sabor. It's what took the place of Sabor. It's where they have the um, the free the burritos. It's one of the included dining places. The the burritos and the enchiladas and all of that. I didn't get anything from there. I think the boys may have. And then the third night we ate at Giovanni's, which is across from Chops Grill, right there by the Windjammer. That's the new Italian concept that took the place of Jamie's Italian. Mm-hmm. That Royal Caribbean hit it out of the park with Giovanni's. Nice. Hit it out of the park. That's family style eating. There's no tablecloths in there, but that's just as well. I had a fantastic tiramisu, one of the best uh, caprese style takes on a caprese salad ever. It was just, it was, it was delicious. Absolutely delicious. We, you needed to roll me out of Giovanni's. uh, And so they really hit it out of the park with that. El Loco. That's what it's called. That's what it was. Yeah. El Loco Fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for the flan. They didn't have any little cups of flan like they like they did on Symphony of the Seas, uh, but that's okay. How about the Promenade Cafe? 
Um, we went into the Promenade Cafe. Uh, shame on me. I did not get one of the sliced roast beef sandwiches on the Kumuwek bun. Uh, they had it on offer. But, yeah, they had uh, Serrano's Pizza. And then they, that ship has a Ben and Jerry's on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, the, uh, the Promenade Cafe. So it was. So I will say this. It was a little surreal walking down the Royal Promenade with so few people. Because this is a ship that holds over 4,000 guests on full capacity. And it was only at, we only had maybe 1,100 guests aboard. So it was, a, it was a little surreal being on such a large ship with so few people on it. Uh, but uh, the good news is that we could go essentially wherever we wanted to without having to worry about a line. Uh, oh, I forgot to tell you, I went into Playmakers a few times, mm-hmm. and it was a treat watching on the big screen TV so my, the Milwaukee Bucks take down the Phoenix Suns <laughs> in the NBA Finals. Uh, nice. That was a lot of fun. You know, I like the, uh, you mentioned Ben & Jerry's. That ship has the Ben & Jerry's suite, right? It's got um, right above the cow there, I think. I think you're right. You know what? I forgot all about. Yeah. Uh, me, I did all my, I did all this, uh, this cruise geek research uh, all these years on, on the different Royal Caribbean ships. And I forgot all about that. I know what you're talking about. Uh, you get the free Ben and Jerry's if you have the room that has the cow on it. That's what the benefit is. Okay. I was wondering like, cause I know it's a little more expensive, but I guess it's because of the, the free ice cream all cruise. You have to factor that in, I guess, right? Oh, you know what? Ben, I'll, I'll take the bullet the next time for that kind of a, for that kind of room. I I never met a Ben and Jerry's flavor I didn't like. You got that right. So let's talk about the entertainment <laughs> on board. Was there? Um, it was reduced capacity, but did you have to make uh-huh. reservations for like theater shows or anything like that? You know, that's a good question. I didn't go into the shows because I I guess I got spoiled with the Broadway musicals that they had on the Oasis class ships, and they just had homegrown entertainment from what I understand. Uh, so I wasn't in the theater to really know. The only time I went to the theater was uh, where we, you have to go there before you go on the shore excursions in Nassau. You know, you wait your turn and whatnot. Uh, but from what I understand, yeah, I think you have to make reservation, but with such light attendance, it should have been non- a non-issue to go to go see the show you wanted. I think there were certain shows where the unvaccinated were permitted to go, but uh, again, I didn't, I didn't partake of the shows. My son and his buddy met up with a girl and they went ice skating one night uh, over there in Studio B. So that was open. And of course, the casino was hopping like, like the casino always is. Did one of them find love on board? Uh, it wasn't quite that far. They more, okay. more like they found a new bestie. Okay, there you <laughs> so, go. But no, they had a lot of fun. And uh, they, we all hung out together then on Perfect Day at Coco Key. Very cool. And speaking of perfect day, uh, how was uh-huh. your experience there? You um, you were there for one. It was one day, right, Mark? That's correct. Yeah. So you were there for the day. Did you have good weather? And what was what was the vibe like on the island? Oh, fantastic! We had that was the only day we had a little bit of rain, and that was walking from the ship along the pier to where you go through those those curved painted things that I guess look like whalebones, right where you get onto the island. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the weather was perfect. Um, I gave myself, even my suntan had a tan by the time we were done on the <laughs> ship. But uh, we had we rode all of the water slides. The only one I didn't try the one were the ones where the floor drops out from underneath uh-huh. you. But everything else, the the one up at the top, what is that called? The Devil's Tower? Devil's so. something or other. That, that, uh, that big red slide, the one way at the top. And then uh, the ones that where you're in the in the mat and they, it slings you back and forth. All the water slides. I, their names escape me at the moment. Now, Mark, with the water park, is it? Um, you know, I, I have yet. I was supposed to go there three times during the shutdown, and I got canceled every single uh-huh. time. So I haven't made oh, it to no. perfect day yet. But is the water park extra? Like, do you have to pay extra for just to get into the water park, or is the are the slides like a la carte? 
No, it's not a la carte, but yes, you do have to pay extra to go into the water park. Okay. Uh, depending the, the time, the way to buy it is to buy it before you board the cruise. Then it's maybe $70 a person. Idiot that I am. I booked the day of, so I had to pay the re- going retail rates. So that was like 110 bucks. Gotcha. Uh, but um, you know what? It was still worth it. You just t- you spend the time having a great time on the slides, going into the wave pool. And the wave pool there is one of the best I've ever been in. The waves that, that the thing kicks out mm-hmm. easily send you up maybe eight feet in the air. Nice. Uh, well, they, the swells take you up about a good eight feet. And how was the food on the island? Oh, excellent. Um, you know, uh, what, what they have is a giant area, which has a buffet area. So, of course, it was... Uh, only a, maybe a third of the different stations were open, mm-hmm. uh, but they had things like Cuban sandwiches, burgers, hot dogs, pulled pork, burritos, and the like. So, you know, you weren't about to go hungry. And, of course, there was a food shack, which has the basically, for lack of a better word, fair food, mm-hmm. you know, where you can get the, the chicken sandwich that uh, Matt Hotsberg from Royal Caribbean Blog really likes. Mm-hmm. And also uh, really good burgers, better than they have on board the ship, in my opinion, and also funnel cake. So uh, if you want to get your fair food on, they've got the shack for that right there. Next up was Nassau, Bahamas. What did you do there? Well, it was my first time in NASA, so I really didn't have anything to compare it to, mm-hmm. although I'd heard the stories of, of what NASA could be like, yeah. uh, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, it, they, there were no, uh, no peddlers of various wares on the, uh, at the pier or when you exit out, so that I appreciated that. What we did was we took an island tour and um, got on the bus, and they tried their best to show us everything of interest that would be somewhat of interest, including a local hospital that was getting, an, I think, an addition of some sort made. And we got to see some of the historical items of interest. I forget what the names of the stairs are uh, that were carved maybe 200 years or so ago out of the limestone by slave labor. So that was a bit moving to see. Uh, and then we went to a rum distillery. NASA was, was no trouble at all. I'd go back to NASA again. And from what I can tell, the whole port is under redevelopment. Mm-hmm. And when it reopens in full, I want to say in a year or two, it's going to be one of the most uh, spectacular in the Caribbean. Mark, was that called the Queen Staircase by chance? I think that's what it's yeah. called. Yep. So I, I walked it all. Nice. What is it, 120 steps? Mm-hmm, something like and that. And so, yeah, so it was, it was very moving. I even saw in the stones on the side an inscription, someone's name and dated 1851. So, wow. you know, things like that. Just knowing its history, what it mm-hmm. is and who made it really makes you stop and think. Yeah. How were sea days on freedom at a reduced capacity? Beautiful. Any fears of deck hogs or chair hogs or anything like that just banished the thought. We had no trouble at all finding a spot wherever we wanted to be. No line for the water slides. It was a hoot watching Michael uh, be on the flow rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't try the flow rider because I really didn't feel like um, risking losing my shorts in front of everybody because <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that, that water's pretty darn strong. And from what I understand, that was the very first ship that had a flow rider when uh, Royal Caribbean introduced it mm-hmm. uh, when that ship came out. So that was really neat. Um, what was also neat was the first day that was the sea day, and I saw we sailed past Perfect Day at Coco Key. I have an app on my phone that lets me see the position of other ships. Mm-hmm. There were several Royal Caribbean ships all docked off of Perfect Day, and that one of them was Symphony of the Seas. And we even saw the brand new ship, Odyssey of the Seas docked there at perfect day so that was really neat so you make your way back to port miami Uh how was disembarkation any different than your last cruise on symphony 
even better. We were off the ship in maybe five minutes. Wow. And because they take your, because Coast Guard or, or Port Control or whoever it is, takes your picture before you board, mm-hmm. they don't even need to look at your passport. Um, you're out, you're out um, landside in about five minutes after, after exiting the ship. And then uh, I had a lift driver come. He was there in a few minutes, took us straight to Miami International Airport, and home we flew. All right. So do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone who, you know, maybe dipping their toe back in the water and, you know, sailing uh-huh. again in this startup environment? Uh-huh. Yes. Um, the four-night sailings are the great way and even for a very a never ever first time cruiser, that's the perfect way to get your f- taste. If this is what you, what is for you, my biggest suggestion is when they say your board time is two or one thirty or two thirty, you have to obey that because they will not let you on early. You need to be there exactly when they say you need to be there, uh, because you got to go through all these these different steps before you board the ship. And some people didn't get that memo, so they had to stand and wait until it was their time to. Uh, go into the begin the boarding process. You know, it's so funny. I've said this probably a dozen times already since we've started uh, doing reviews again after the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's not just a Royal Caribbean thing. It's not just a carnival thing. Disney, mm-hmm. celebrity, MSC, mm-hmm. everyone is sticking mm-hmm. to it. If you show up early, yeah. they're going to make your butt wait outside. You better believe it. And there was a, there were, I would say there's a good 20 or 25 or so people whose butts were waiting in mm-hmm. that nice Florida sun uh, until <laughs> yeah. it was their turn to go in. Yeah, that gets kind of hot down there in uh, Port Miami, big time. <laughs> Just a little yeah. bit. And a little humid, too. Any, what are your final thoughts of Freedom of the Seas? Okay, beautiful ship, perfectly sized for the routes they want to do. The dining was great. The fitness center, I am so glad when they did the renovation, they left the fitness there in the front of the ship mm-hmm. and didn't kick it all the way into the stern like they did with Navigator of the Seas and Mariner of the Seas. My only beef is that they reduced the size of the spa. They, when they reduced the size of the spa, they got rid of the steam room and the uh, sauna. So there was none of those. Those are things I partake of. But that's, that's so small uh, because the ship has got so much going for it. A great child center. I have a little granddaughter whom I cannot wait to put into, um, what is it, Club Ocean? I think it's what they call for the little ones. And uh, they've got a great water park, the Lime and Coconut. Um, that's, a, that's a great concept, the Lime and Coconut. And every day they had drink specials on the ship. So that was fun, too. Uh, unlike Symphony of the Seas, we, I drank on this particular sailing. I'm glad I did. And the water slides are perfect. Plus, this ship docks at Perfect Day at Coco Key. So for those who are not familiar with the Royal Caribbean way of doing things, it's a great way to test it out because we get to see the best of everything. Couple of questions I forgot to ask you. Um, so you got the drink package? Was it worth it? No, I didn't get the drink package. I ended up buying an a la carte. Okay. Um, I'm not a heavy drinker. My son drinks very little, and his buddy Nathan drinks very little. In fact, his very first alcoholic beverage was on the ship. That oh wow! Day. Uh, and he okay. fell in love with the dark and stormy. Uh, yes. That was his new drink of choice. So it, it didn't make sense for us to buy the package because if I would have gotten it then they would have had to get it too. Yeah. And that would have been several hundred dollars needlessly wasted. Uh, but um, no, so it, it worked out fine. I just bought my drinks a la carte and, and there you go. Yeah. And how about the Wi-Fi? Did you get a Wi-Fi package this cruise? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, I recommend it. Uh, the Wi-Fi worked brilliantly. No trouble at all. And I'm guessing because it wasn't in competition for bandwidth with anybody else on the ship. Mm-hmm. So uh, that way I could stay in touch. It was enough bandwidth to do FaceTime calls for my iPhone, uh, which was great. I will say this, the staff was so unfailingly polite. As I was doing tours uh, for family members in real time uh, using FaceTime uh, from the iPhone, staff were 
leaning into the phone, waving, saying hi, making uh, my sister a thousand miles away feel like she was a part of the cruise. I just loved that. That meant so much to me. And last question here, Mark, what was the smoking situation like on board? None. Okay. None. I don't remember seeing smelling cigarette smoke at all, maybe faintly in the mm-hmm. casino. It wasn't like on Symphony where you could tell the smell of smoke was that wafting yeah. into the, the dining area on uh, deck four. Uh, hardly anything. All right. We've been talking with Mark about his four-night cruise aboard Freedom of the Seas out of Port Miami. Mark, I appreciate you reaching out and sharing this review. It's been a, a long time, and I can't wait for your next one. Yep, that's going to be in November on Norwegian's Encore. Awesome. Have a good one. Thank you, too. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.